0: What are the Facebook papers and what do they tell us about Facebook, how it operates, how it operates around the world in different countries to get a better sense of what is in this treasure trove of documents, where it came from, and what we're learning. I'm pleased to welcome to the program Shira Frankel from New York Times, a tech reporter and co-author of An Ugly Truth Inside Facebook's Battle for Domination. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So... There's so much to to go at here. A number of different organizations have had access to these papers. Let's let's begin with where these papers came from and, and how the media is getting access to
1: them. So these papers were originally taken from Facebook by one of its employees. Frances Haugen worked on one of Facebook's civic integrity teams and she spent months taking photos of internal documents, memos, and spreadsheets before she left the company. Now, she took those documents and created what is essentially being known as the Facebook files or um, the Facebook documents. And she first gave them through the Wall Street Journal, which published a series of stories starting earlier this month. And since then, they've been given to a consortium of news organizations, including the New York Times. And we're just starting to really, I think, see the breadth of these documents and some of the articles that are being produced this week
0: now as as we look at the different things that are being revealed or uh, uncovered in these documents the is the bottom line that facebook knows and has known more about the problems and the ills that it is creating than it is willing to admit
1: What's really startling about these documents is how much internal research Facebook was doing into the harms that its company was introducing into society. We are seeing hundreds of memos written by their own researchers in which they do really sort of fascinating modern analysis on the impact of social media on the real world. However, all that analysis, all that research, it never made it to the public eye until now. And what's, I think, interesting is going to be to look back on some of Facebook's decisions to companies, um, some of the decisions that Mark Zuckerberg, the chief executive, made. And in light of all this research, reevaluate that and say, right, well, we now know that Mark Zuckerberg was shown direct evidence that Facebook was struggling to contain misinformation in India, that the sheer number of languages spoken in that country and the very um, you know complicated political situation made it difficult for them to control hate speech and misinformation. And yet they pushed aggressively into that market. They became the dominant market holder in that company with, I think it's over 400 million Facebook users in India alone. And so I think we have to look at those decisions and say, how responsible was it for Facebook to push aggressively into these markets when it sat on the research that it was sitting on?
0: Uh, Does this relate much, or or does it cast more light back on what Zuckerberg said to Congress? Is, Is there a problem for Zuckerberg in that capacity?
1: Well, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has spoken a few times before Congress, and he sought to appease U.S. lawmakers by saying that his company ultimately did more harm than good and that they worked aggressively to take down misinformation. I think if we look back at his statements to Congress, one thing stands out, which is that he'll give a number like Facebook's automated systems remove more than 90% of hate speech in the United States. And that that seems impressive on its face. But if you take that number and ask, well, wait a minute, what is the denominator there? 90% of hate speech. But if you know, you're know you looking at, let's say, 100 million pieces of hate speech, 10% of that is still quite a bit of hate speech that's left online in US systems. And then if you scale back even further, you say, well, wait a minute, that's just in the US, what are your systems doing internationally? And if the number internationally is closer to 20 or 30% of hate speech coming down through AI systems, well, then that ceases to be impressive. And so I think a lot again, we're going to go back, we're going to listen to his congressional testimony, we're going to look at his past interviews. And now we're going to be able to read between the lines of much of what he was saying.
0: Speaking with Shira Frankel from the New York Times, there was also the revelation that Apple threatened or was about to remove Facebook from the App Store. Can you tell me about that?
1: Well, we now know a lot more about the tensions between those two companies and just how acute it became. We know that uh, Apple's chief executive, you know, Tim, Tim Cook, and that Mark Zuckerberg have had this long-standing, um, well, feud for lack of a better word, and they've gone back and forth. Apple has sort of positioned itself in the world of, of tech as being the privacy safe company. They they claim that they put privacy above all else and the privacy of their users is, is param- of paramount importance to them. And they sort of cast Facebook as being the other side of that, that Facebook doesn't care about the privacy of its users. And I think we now know that in that in that battle, Apple was going to position itself as saying, well, we have to remove Facebook's apps because they don't respect the privacy of their users enough. Now, we, we know that didn't actually come to pass, that enough things happened behind the scenes so that the app wasn't removed. But it is fascinating to learn how close that came to happening.
0: Where does all of this take us? Um, obviously, there, there's an increased push for regulation. There have been calls to break up Facebook. Does, does that put wind in those sails?
1: You know, I think that Democrats and Republicans have come together on this issue in a way that we really have rarely seen before. There's some things that they're beginning to agree on. They're beginning to agree that the protections, especially around children, probably aren't enough. And that I do think that's one of the things we might see legislation on quite soon. I think they're also beginning to understand that rather than this being an argument about free speech or what a person is allowed to say on Facebook, it's an argument of what should Facebook promote? essentially an argument about the algorithm. And I know people's eyes glaze over when they hear the word algorithm, but what we're really talking about here is you have the right to say whatever you want to say on Facebook potentially, but Facebook as a company shouldn't necessarily promote it. And laws and legislation that look around what does Facebook promote and push people into, I think that is going to be coming ahead of, of many of the other trickier issues of what people should and shouldn't be allowed to say on the on the platform.
0: I'm just wondering for an American or a Canadian domestic audience, how much play and, and how important people will see Facebook's role in other parts of the world. We, we see their role in the Middle East and the inability to understand Arabic mm-hmm. and and how, um, you know, people who speak those languages are often forced to use just other words for just common words that Facebook have said, no, oh, that's banned. I'm just right. wondering what kind of play do you think that's going to get?
1: You know, in the US and and I think in general in the West, I'm I mean, including Western Europe here, it's easy to think our problems are the worst. But when you look at these documents, you become aware of just how bad the problems are that Facebook introduced in society and places like Sri Lanka, Myanmar, Sudan, the Middle East, India. Um, you know, I think regulators in other countries will be looking at these documents very, very closely and governments will be looking at them closely. I do worry that authoritarian regimes will take a look at them and find a way to crack down even further. And that would be one concerning um. You know, side effect or, or issue to come out of these documents. I would hope, though, that other countries were to look at these documents and demand better from Facebook and say, right. Well, if you are going to operate in our country, you need to have a minimum of, you know, X number of employees that are dedicated to fighting misinformation. Or, you know, if you have a million users, we want to know that you have at least 100 content moderators reviewing the content in addition to your AI systems. I think that that other countries can begin to make to demands like that when they see just how few resources Facebook has dedicated to them.
0: Shira, thank you so much. I very much appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: This is Shira Frankel, who's a New York Times tech reporter and the co-author of An Ugly Truth Inside Facebook's Battle for Domination.